0: Where's our identity found? Is it found in another person? In my being in love, that feeling that I want, in being satisfied in my sexuality? Is that where my identity is, or is my identity found in Jesus?
1: How has God instructed us to love our spouses? This is Moments of Hope with David Chadwick. On our last program, David began a teaching on what God's Word tells us about human sexuality and the importance of building and maintaining a strong marriage. Although David stays well within the boundaries of biblical text, we encourage discretion for younger ears.
0: Then we moved from the whole idea of it was arranged to courtship to dating. In the early 1900s is when dating became a part of the American culture. Interestingly, some people are trying to go back to courtship today with singles. I don't think it's going to work. They moved into the dating culture in the 1900s. I think it's here to stay, and that's when people would basically meet people and they would date, they would go out together, alone, without any other parties looking on, and they would then decide over some period of time whether they were right for one another. Most all of us who are married today, in this room, on all the campuses, we are the result of some kind of dating. We met each other, spent some time together, and decided to make those covenant commitments to one another. But in the 1960s, as I've shared with you in practically all of these issues we've looked at, whether it's alcohol or marriage or parenting or language. Something happened in the 60s that released the individual desires of the person to be more important than the cultural norms. We moved from what I call a we society, where there was a moral consensus, and those moral consensus guided our society to a me culture, where what I want, whenever I want it, according to my desires, my emotions, is what I should have. And when the dating culture moved more from even "we" to me, then the most important thing that happened was the move from courtship uh, to arranged marriages to courtship to dating now to hookups, to hookups that there's casual sex everywhere because of birth control. People can do it, and they do it everywhere. They cohabitate, and sex has become what's most important for me and my desires to get met. So in another way of saying the same thing, and my daddy used to say this all the time, we've moved from learning how to love in the we culture to being in love in the me culture. So in the we culture, I try to love to serve my beloved this very different person of a different gender, my job is to serve that person, love that person, care for that person as long as we both shall live. Not as long as we both shall love, as long as we both shall live. That was the we culture. In the me culture, it's all about me. So I'm with somebody. And as long as you meet my desires, I'm okay with this. But at the moment that stops, even if we've already committed in marriage, I'm out of here. I'm going to find somebody else. Because in the hookup culture, it's all about simply somebody meeting my physical needs whenever I want those needs met. So as a result of that, you have commercials that are everywhere, movies that are everywhere, television programs that are everywhere, and everything in our whole culture suggests continually look for that other person who can meet your needs, and then you can jump in the sack with whomever you want, whenever you want, with no consequences. Don't worry about it. That's from moving from the Love to the being in love culture. And when I'm in love, it's all about my feelings. And I ask the staff this week, wouldn't it be something if we had a commercial on television that showed a man in the bathroom throwing up all night long and his wife is holding his head saying, honey, I'm here for you, what do I need to do to help you? Because, folks, that's real life marriage. That's real life sexuality. That really is what it's all about. And it's not the glamour of being in love that moves from one person to another, it's this person committed to sharing their lives with one another. Interestingly, The Bachelor, Sean Lowe, put a blog out where he basically talked about all the glamour of the glitz of The Bachelor, the Emmys that he and his wife, Catherine, whom he met on the program, now get to go to. He said, but you know what nobody ever talks about? And he showed a picture of himself lying on a bathroom floor and Catherine being there with him, just caring for him and loving for him as he was sick to his stomach beyond all means. That, folks, is love. But we move to being in love, and as a result, people just flip from one relationship to another. And here's my biggest concern. The whole idea of sex from God's perspective, the designer, of two people becoming one, really does happen. There's a lie that's being passed around in the hookup culture that casual sex is okay. But biblically, every time you sleep with somebody, you leave a part of yourself with that person, and a part of that person is left with yourself. It's just a truth in God's word. It's a truth even science says. So that means if people have multiple partners, a part of their love life is stripped away from them, and they are unable to love as God wants them to love in a relationship because with each casual relationship, there's been a stripping away of their ability to love as God wants them to love. It's interestingly, in one of the prophecies in the Bible, it says that in the end times, people's love will grow cold. And I've always wondered, what does that exactly mean? And I think there are many ways you can interpret it, but certainly one of the ways you can interpret it is that people's casual relationships, hookup cultures that are all over the world have stripped away people's ability to love and their ability to love has grown cold. It's my concern with Fifty Shades of Grey. The movie was seen by over 200 million people in its first couple of weeks all over the world. My heart grieved when I heard that because the story was of a young, innocent Christian woman who wanted love so badly she would even put up with being manipulated, even tortured, even beaten in order to receive love. And folks, whenever you give yourself like that, or you even read about it and watch it in a movie, a part of you is being stripped away. But moreover, when you give yourself away, literally, physically, you're having your love being stripped away from you, and you can no longer love as God wants you to love. Your love grows cold, and that's why we have difficulty in our culture with people committing themselves to one another for the rest of their lives. So human sexuality was God's idea, and it's to be about love, not necessarily being in love. Now, I do believe that there needs to be fizz in the physical when you meet, certainly do. And one of my seminary profs told me there needs to be fizz in the physical when you meet your beloved. But let me tell you something, folks. That fizz in the physical is the spark that gets the engine running. Covenant, commitment is the gas that keeps your engine running after you've made that commitment. Sex is God's design, his will within marriage, and the American culture has completely obliterated that understanding. My daddy said it well when he said, son, always understand the difference between lust and love. Lust can't wait to get. Love can't wait to give. Lust is our hookup culture, it can't wait to get. Love is God's biblical design through sex. It can't wait to give. It can't wait to care for the other person to become one flesh. So in a very practical way, let me spend a few moments talking to those of you who are out here hearing this message And you realize under conviction that this is God's will. And I recognize right now very quickly that there are spiritual skeptics here, there are spiritual seekers who do not buy the biblical view. I must ask you, why not? Because this is God's word, has been God's word for 2,000 years. Why does your own perspective trump God's word, but, but secondly, just think rationally with me. If every couple in the world only use sex within the confines of a committed, covenantal, permanent relationship between a man and a woman, think of how many social issues would evaporate. Within one generation, so many of the problems that plague us would go away. Because God's design is for our health, his boundaries aren't to keep us somehow doggedly, inferior, not enjoying life. His boundaries are to set us free because within his boundaries, we are to enjoy what God desires. So first of all, for younger singles, remember God's definition of sex. It's found in Genesis two twenty four: One man, one woman in a committed, heterosexual, monogamous relationship. Remember dad's rules, my dad's rules. He said, nothing horizontal. Just don't get in a horizontal position with somebody, nothing below the neck. I can guarantee you, you follow those two Of my daddy's rules, you'll find yourself sexually safe in most all situations. If you're trying to think of things outside those two boundaries, your heart is an idle manufacturing machine, and you're trying to think up ways to disobey God's law, and that within itself is a huge problem. And and also, uh, remember Lolo Jones, the great Olympian of the past Olympics, 28 years old, beautiful girl, but she's a virgin. Made big splash, and everybody was debating it. She said it's the hardest thing she's ever had to do, but she's been able to do it. And folks, believe me, You'll die without air. You'll die without water. You'll die without food. You will not die without sex. And abstaining and waiting for that special person is not something you'll die from. But it is the right thing that God desires for you. So singles, be faithful and keep on keeping on. And if God hasn't given you that person yet, find your sufficiency in Christ, which we'll look at in just a second. For those of you who are older singles who may have gone through a divorce and you kind of feel like, well, I've already had you know, intimacy with other people and it's okay if I do now, wrong. Genesis 2.24 does not have a parenthesis that says, oh, for older singles who've been married or whatever, this doesn't apply. It applies to everyone. Sex is between a man and a woman in a committed, monogamous, heterosexual relationship. That's God's word. That's his design. So please, go to the designer and ask for his truth about sex. Don't get mad with me, but it's something to be reserved. And, And I've heard stories about how in these older retirement communities with some of the pills that are now available, it's just rampant among older people. I don't care how old you are. God's word is God's word for his humanity that he created. So please obey God's word. If you call yourself a follower of Christ, you're under the authority of the scripture. You don't have any way to doubt the designer. Thirdly, for married couples, uh, I got a lot of questions from you about your libido differences and how one has one desire, the other doesn't have a, a, any desire and how would I respond to that? Let me just give you 1 Corinthians chapter seven verses two through five and take this home with you and make this your rule in your marriage. But because of the temptation to sexual immorality, each man should have his own wife and each woman her own husband. The husband should give to his wife her conjugal rights and likewise the wife to her husband. For the wife does not have authority over her own body, but the husband does. Likewise, the husband does not have authority over his own body, but the wife does. Do not deprive one another, except perhaps by agreement for a limited time that you may devote yourselves to prayer, but then come together again so that Satan may not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. The principle is very clear here. Give to one another. The way you serve one another is maybe you're tired. Maybe your libido isn't as strong as your mate. You still give to one another. You care for one another. You serve one another in this way. And that's the way you love. That, that is a way you love. And you learn servanthood. It's not what you feel, what you desire. It's what you give to your beloved. Two principles guide this, in my opinion. One is there's no harm that you do to one another. No harm comes from this. And secondly, both of you agree about the propriety of what you're asking each other to do. Both of you agree to it. Within the boundaries of marriage, you know, most everything is okay. But in this particular instance, you give to one another out of serving one another. Fourth and finally, for parents. Uh, Did you know that less than 15% of all parents teach their children about human sexuality? They learn it from their peers, they learn it through the movies and theaters and uh, print media. What we need to do as parents is be aggressive in teaching our children about God's perspective on human sexuality. So the question then comes, at what age do you begin teaching them? Here's my answer. As early as possible. I mean, our kids are sexual creatures. That is one thing that Freud gave us that I think is true. We are sexual creatures at our earliest possible ages. So children are exploring, engaging conversations in an age-appropriate way in whatever way you can to teach them about these things. Also, be very aware that the pornographers are aiming their wares at 8-year-olds now. If you have an eight-year-old, know that pornographers are aiming their wares to try to get your kids hooked at the early possible age. We've given you a website at the bottom of the outline, purehope.com, which will give you some insights on how you can help your children with pornography, how you who are engaged in pornography and, and feel the shame and guilt of it and want to escape it, please know we hurt with you. We want to help you with that. Our care and counseling program has some ways to help you, but also go to Pure Hope, and they can help you have some ideas on how you can begin to attack this insidious pernicious problem that is destroying individuals stripping away their inner souls and destroying marriages as people feel betrayed by loving a celluloid model instead of your spouse of your years so please teach your children and go get help for those of you who have that problem there's a website at the bottom also our care and counseling program will help you let me end by just a couple of few questions i need to ask you as we close out this message on human sexuality first of all Has God revealed his will regarding human sexuality? You've got to answer that question. Has the designer of the gift designed his will? And the answer biblically is imperatively, absolutely yes. His will is... Sexual purity, not sexual immorality. His will is sex to be used for procreation, sex to be enjoyed within a marriage relationship. And eventually, C.S. Lewis, by the way, met someone by the name of Joy Davidman, and he fell in love with her in, her latter year, in his latter years, in their 60s, and they enjoyed a rich, physical relationship. He <laughs> describes in some of his books as just so wonderful, yet he waited even until that day to express it to his wife. He knew God's boundaries. Do you? They are very clear. Second question What's your source of life's enjoyment? What's your source of life's enjoyment? Is it sports or alcohol or your kids or your work or awards? What's the source of your life's enjoyment? I'm here to tell you today the source of your life enjoyment is supposed to be in Christ and Christ alone, in Him alone that as you have his enjoyment, the desire to be with him and love him and serve him, that erases any other importance in your life. Mother Teresa once said, you never know Jesus is all you need until Jesus is all you've got. Maybe some of us need to have other things stripped away from us so that we can have only Jesus. And at that point, we realize he is our sufficiency. He is our hope. He is enough. And final question, where's your identity? Really, in all of these issues we've been looking at, and indeed the next several weeks when we look at loneliness and disappointment and shame, the issue's is really our identity. Where's our identity found? Is it found in another person, in my being in love, that feeling that I want, in being satisfied in my sexuality? Is that where my identity is, or is my identity found in Jesus do, do I realize I am not my own? I was bought with a price by the precious blood of Jesus Christ. That He now lives in me and I now live in Him. That He's my Lord. He's my Savior. And, and I don't need to find my identity in anything or anyone else, but totally and solely in Him. Where's your identity? Where's your identity? When it's in him, it's not in alcohol. It's not in your spouse. It's not in parenting. It's not even in how you speak with profanity to impress people. It's in Christ and Christ alone. Where's your identity? Answer that question, folks. You'll have new life. You'll have hope. You can even wait until marriage because Jesus is your sufficiency. Therefore, you've gone to the designer and found out his will in this area. And that, dear friends, is what's most important. To Christ be the glory.
1: You're listening to Moments of Hope with David Chadwick. Thanks for listening. You know, we all need mercy. It's a part of our spiritual journey. But are we as ready to give mercy as we are to receive it from others and from God? Coming up, David joins me in the studio for an in-depth discussion about mercy. We'll be right back.
0: I'm Mark McManus with Moments of Hope Church's Ministry Minute, focusing on ministries that have a positive impact on our community.
2: With me in the studio today is Tony Marciano, Executive Director of the Charlotte Rescue Mission. Tony, tell us about the Charlotte Rescue Mission. Mark, at the Charlotte Rescue Mission, everything we do is about transformation. With a focus on individuals struggling with addiction, we uniquely work from the inside out to address the root cause. And we accomplish that by providing professional, Christian residential recovery services free of charge. Now let me back up for just a moment and explain all that to you. When I say the word transformation, I get those marching orders from John 6, very interesting chapter of the Bible, where on day one Jesus feeds 5,000 people. That night the disciples float across the lake. Jesus follows them by walking across the lake, and the next day the crowd gets in boats, and follows them. But on day two, Jesus chooses not to feed them. and begins to preach at them, and they all leave. I think in that one chapter, it's the heart of God for the poor, where God says on day one, I love you so much, I accept you just as you are. But day too, God is saying, I love you too much to leave you there. And that's the hard work of transformation that we focus on every day at Charlotte Rescue Mission. I mentioned we uniquely work from the inside out to address the root cause. And that root cause is shame. Guilt is when I make a mistake, but shame says I am a mistake. And if you knew me, you wouldn't like me. And if God knew me, God wouldn't like me. And then I wrapped it up by saying we address this by providing professional, free, Christian Residential Recovery Services. I like to use the verses out of Ephesians chapter 3, verse 18, where the Apostle Paul says that you may have the power to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth, length, height and depth. And verse 19 says, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to all the measure the fullness of God. Mark, I believe firmly that when someone realizes that God's love is four-dimensional, not three-dimensional, not conditional, but unconditional, when they have that aha moment that God loves them, all the shame in their soul goes away because they know they are fully accepted by God, not for what they've done, but simply because God loves them. And that's what we do every day at Charlotte Rescue Mission. Love to have you get involved. Please go to our webpage, charlotterescuemission.org, for ways that you can impact the people we serve.
1: I'm Jen Houston, thanks for listening today. Joining me in the studio is our pastor, David Chadwick. David, thank you so much for being here. Hi
0: Jen, it's nice to be with you today too.
1: Mercy, it's the one thing we all need. That's what we're gonna be talking about today. One of your recent Moments of Hope e-devotions said, to receive mercy, give mercy. Can you tell us about this?
0: Oh I can Jen, and let's define mercy, it's not receiving what we deserve. You know, when hmm. I give mercy to somebody who owes me something and I then don't make them pay it back, uh, that's showing mercy. God's mercy to us is he doesn't give us eternal separation from him, hell. But through Jesus, he gives us the gift of eternal life, grace. Yeah. So it's wonderful to understand God's mercy. It's one of his prime characteristics in the Bible. So here's what we want to learn today through this Davidism to receive mercy, give mercy. If you want mercy, mercy. Give mercy to somebody else. Mercy means, again, not receiving what you deserve, or said another way, it's showing compassion and forgiveness to someone that you need to punish. God's gift of mercy to us through Jesus' death on the cross is the greatest act of mercy in human history. God had every right to punish us, but instead he didn't give us what we deserve, eternal separation, instead he forgave us and gave us the gift of eternal life. Jesus said it this way, Jen, blessed are the merciful for they shall obtain mercy. It's the law of reciprocity. It's the supernatural law of the universe that whatever you give out, you'll get back. Mm -hmm. Whatever you reap, you'll sow. So give mercy to someone and you will ultimately receive mercy. Maybe not from that person, but from some place, God will restore that mercy to you. Jesus promised that if you give mercy, mercy will come back to you. Perhaps it will come from someone unrelated to you and all of your circumstances, or perhaps from a person to whom you extended mercy beforehand. But mercy will come back to you. That's the promise. Jesus said so, it is a law of the universe. So everybody listening, do this today. Give mercy to someone in your sphere of influence. Give mercy to somebody in your life. And then one day, mercy will come back to you It's a promise from the Most High God.
1: Wow, this is so powerful. And I'm thinking of that scripture of don't let the sun go down on your anger. And this is one way I think that we can extend mercy to people before we go to bed. You know, we we spoke earlier this week about waking up, praying our day, and this is one way we can extend mercy to somebody.
0: That's a great point, Jen. As you pray your day, ask God to reveal to you, People to whom you can show mercy. Yeah. Maybe some people who've hurt you. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's some people that don't deserve that mercy. But when you do so, you're never more like Jesus because he extended such enormous grace and mercy to us on the cross. Yeah. When we live like that, we're living like Jesus himself.
1: That's really good. And I've heard the phrase, you can't give what you don't have. So mm-hmm. we first have to receive that mercy and understand it in yeah. order to give it away.
0: Well, I know in my life, I've had to struggle at times with my need to be right my need to have the last word. And then if somebody doesn't agree with me and continues to disagree with me, maybe even to punish them and hurt Mm -hmm. them, that's the opposite of mercy. So God's done a number on my heart to teach me about mercy. And that's one of the reasons I wanted to do this time with our listeners today, Mm -hmm. to teach them the power of mercy, the need to give mercy away for when you extend mercy, you'll get mercy back and you never know when you might need that great gift of mercy from God.
1: That's so good. Thank you so much, David. Yes,
0: and thank you, listeners. Listeners for joining today. If you'd like this daily written moment of hope that I'm now putting out, these Davidisms go to momentsofhopechurch.org. You can subscribe; they're free of charge. They arrive every morning in your inbox at 7 a.m. It's my way of giving you daily a moment of hope.
1: This has been Moments of Hope with David Chadwick, Senior Pastor of Moments of Hope Church. Today's message is from a series called Heartbeats from our online worship service. And you can be a part of our service each Sunday morning at both nine and 11 o'clock by going to momentsofhopechurch.org. And while you're online, be sure to sign up for David's daily Moments of Hope, delivered every morning to your inbox. And also check out David's weekly HopeCast, They're both free and available through our website. Again, that web address is momentsofhopechurch.org. For David and the entire Moments of Hope Church staff, this is Jen Houston asking you to pray for those who may still feel isolated due to COVID-19.